Sundays before summer hits, when you walked in, uh, you saw uh, the invite cards that you have on the seat there where you're sitting now, and uh, we're calling it Summertime at the Hills, and uh, I would encourage you to take these invite cards. There's a lot, lot of fun things going on. We encourage you to travel. We encourage you to take vacation, take a break, but I want to encourage you this summer, when you're in town, make church a part of your summer. Okay, you always just want to go eat? Come on, make church a part of your summer, amen? Uh, you got friends that are coming in, family coming in. Invite them to the hills. Uh, we wanna, we're going to have every, all throughout the summer, we're going to have special treats, special summer elements for the adults and the kids. A lot of creativity. It's going to be a lot of fun. But one thing we're doing this summer to let you sleep in a little bit, a little bit longer is we're starting a summer schedule, not next Sunday, but the Sunday after on Memorial Day weekend, we will be offering a 9.30 and an 11 service. So 9 o'clock, not 9, not 10.30, not 12. Why do we do that? Everybody's got to change, okay? So be, rethink, be thinking about what service you're going to attend and uh, take these invite cards and invite. Even during the summer when people are taking a break, how many of you know God's still at work? Amen? Amen? So let us keep on going. God bless you. Thank you for that. Well, I want to dive into the message today. I'm really excited about the message. I feel like today is what I would call a life message for me. You ever heard that before? Uh, maybe you've heard me say it. Uh, this is one of my life messages. It's something that... Um, I feel like if you're around the hills for very long, you're going to hear this message again. Maybe not verbatim, but you're going to hear elements of it because I feel like it's, it's something that we all need to hear periodically. Uh, I, was, uh, I had a completely different message planned. When, I, when we do a, a, a message series, I do a lot of my message prep for the, the very first week. Spend a lot of time, and I, I plan out for several weeks, and so I had this week, I was lined up and ready for it, but then I got a cold, and, and when I get a cold, it makes me slow down, and when I slow down, God speaks to me, isn't that crazy? <laughs> and uh, it's just amazing how God just spoke to me, and I told Kristen uh, a few days ago that I felt like that God wanted me to, to change things up and speak a, a clear word. So you're here today, and you're here today because you need to hear this message. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to hear this. Tell them. Now tell them back. Say, no, you need to hear this. Okay? Listen to me. I want, I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this very, very clearly. Some of you are going to need this message today. Some of you are going to need this message in a few weeks or a few months. So I want you to take notes. I want, you to, uh, I want you to remember where it is on our website so you can go back and watch and listen to it. Some of you, this message is going to make some of your past seasons make sense. You got me? So all of us either need it or going to need it or it's going to explain some things that are going on in your life. We've been in the middle of a series called Now What? When you have those seasons in your life where you've had great triumph or you've had great tragedy where you, you stop and you recalibrate and you go, now what? what? What's next? What do, what, do we need to, what do I do now? I don't think there's any way I could make it through this message series preaching about now what without preaching about a guy named Job. Amen? If there's anybody in the Bible, in the world, in history that understands what it means to have a now what moment, it would be 
Job. If you've never read the book of Job, I would highly recommend it to you, to read the book of Job. That could be a a great summer thing, or maybe you could just read it tonight or tomorrow, and it'll make a lot of this make sense. Before we get to Job, though, I want to tell you a story. About 26 years ago, 27 years ago, I was invited to go to Oklahoma, Norman, Oklahoma, where I was going to go, and I was was, uh, uh, speaking at a music conference, but I was also uh, singing, I was doing a concert there, and so um, my mom went with me, he's like, this would be special, let's go together, come out there with me, let's go, and so my mom and I flew out there, and uh, we walked into this beautiful theater, downtown Norman, Oklahoma, where the concert was going to be happening that night, and as I walked into the into the the, the uh, auditorium and down that aisle, I happened to look up. I saw the stage, and I happened to look up, and there was the most gorgeous girl I've ever seen in my life. This dark-haired, dark-skinned, brown-eyed Italian little girl, and I looked at my mama and I said, "Oh dear Lord, who is that?" And my mom later on went home and told my family, I think John just met his wife. I saw Kristen, and there was no doubt in my mind that I was supposed to know her. Now looking back, it was love at first sight. There was no doubt in my mind that I knew that she was the one. However, she didn't know that she was the one. (laughs) I'll throw a little monkey wrench in your plans right there, you know. I was there for three or four days, and I tried every way I could to get to know her, and man, she avoided me like the plague. I mean, she just stiff on like the Heisman on me. Just, And so finally, I, I had done everything I knew to do. Finally, we were having our last meal together, all everybody together. I think we were at a Denny's or a Shoney's or something. Denny's, that's what it was? We were at a Denny's, and we had that back room, man, and we had a whole table. There was about 20 of us back there. And I said, mm-hmm, I got an idea. I said, you know what? I sure would love to keep in touch with all of you. (laughs) So I'm going to pass this piece of paper around the table. I'd love for you all to put your address on there. Not email address. No such thing as emails back then. No phone, mobile phones, all right? I needed a a mailing address. And so we passed, they passed that thing around there, and it got some pancake syrup on it, and it came back around to me. And I looked on there, and there were 19 names and addresses on there. There was one that was missing. Miss Kristen decided not to put us on there. So I said, Kristen, somehow, baby, they, I said, baby, somehow they must have missed you. Would you put that on there? And so she wrote her address on it. And, but she still played hard to get for about six months. And finally, finally, she agreed to go on a date with me. And so I drove out to Norman, Oklahoma from Mississippi. And, I, man, I got the finest restaurants, the Eagle's Nest, that was called, the Eagle's Nest, one of them up Norman, Norman, Oklahoma that, you know, turns. It's this fine, beautiful thing, big steak place. I didn't have two pennies to rub. I don't know how we got there. <laughs> and so I made up my mind, okay, this is how we're going to play it. I'm going to take her to a nice restaurant, but you play hard to get, I'm going to play hard to get. And so I told her I loved her on that first date. <laughs> I'm a man of strength, y'all. If I tell you, I'm going to stand. Literally in the middle of her cutting her steak, I said, I love you. And she said, thank you. This steak is incredible. It took her about six weeks to come around, and finally she did, and I can't get her to quit stalking me now. I just leave. Every morning I wake up, she's just staring at me like, how you doing? 
amazing that sometimes the things that we want the most play hard to get with us? Think about your life. What is the thing that you want? What is that thing you long for? What is the thing you wish you could have? Is it a relationship or a healing or a walk with God or a promotion or a job or a a, a child? Whatever it is, what is that one thing? Isn't it amazing how those things have a way of playing hard to get with us? Amen? Can I just get a head nod for those that don't amen? Well, Job felt this way about God. Look at our text, Job 23 and 3. Job said this, If only I knew where to find him. If only I could go to his dwelling. Verse 8, but I go to the east, he's not there. If I go to the west, I don't find him. When he is at work in the north, I do not see him. When he turns to the south, I catch no glimpse of him. My subject today, and I don't always put titles on messages, but I want to put one on this one today, is called When God Plays Hard to Get. Let's look at the backstory of Job. Before we really dive into this, let's look at the backstory. I think it'll tell us a lot. Job 1 and 1. Look at this. This is what Job, the, the history tells us about Job. In the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was, look at these words, blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. How many of you would love for that to be spoken over you at any point in your life? This is a man and woman of God. This is how they are. He wasn't just a a righteous person. Look what the scripture says, verse 2. He had seven sons and three daughters. He's got a strong family. Not only that, he was wealthy. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys, and had a large number of servants. So he's wealthy. But not only that, he was a man of notoriety and power. Look, he was the greatest man among all the people of the east. How many of you could just write out your life? That would be perfect for you right there. Just health and wealth and kids and servants. Hallelujah, right? Just, I mean, just everything you ever need is doing everything right. Then the scripture tells us in verse 6, One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. And the Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? And Satan answered the Lord, from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. One translation says roaming to and fro. Well, when he said that, God knew the nature of Satan, so God knew what he was saying. Matter of fact, uh, 1 Peter 5 and 8 tells us what happens. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around or roams to and fro like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So in other words, as soon as Satan says, I'm roaming the earth, God knows what he's roaming for, right? I'm looking for someone to annihilate. I'm looking for someone to take down. Knowing this, God says to him, well, have you considered my servant Job? Can you imagine if Job would have been there right then? Whoa, 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 bro, wait a minute. Have you considered this filet mignon called Job? Maybe you'd like to, he's delectable, you'd like him. Would you like, just offering him up. And Satan says, well, I have considered him. I'd love to take him out. He's the greatest in all the East. I'd love to wipe him out, but I can't. You've got a hedge about him. And the only reason that he loves you is because you protect him and because you bless him. And God says, okay. Let's see. Have your way. 
just don't touch his life. Don't touch his body, okay? Go. In that moment, Job's life changes. Most of you know the story. If you don't know the story, let me tell you real quick. Job, the greatest man in all the East, everything's taken care of, family, servants, wealth, all of a sudden having a great day. And all of a sudden, a servant comes running in, and he goes, Job, your enemies came, and they killed the donkey, the, the, the donkeys and the oxen, and all of your servants, they're gone. Job's like, oh, my goodness. And the scripture says, while he's still saying it, another servant runs in, another messenger runs in and goes, Job, fire fell out of heaven and consumed all of the sheep and the shepherds. Was another blow to the finances right there. And another messenger runs in. More enemies came and they stole your camels and they killed all of your servants. Oh my goodness, just like that, all of Job's wealth is gone. Everything he's ever worked for, gone. And that's not the end. One more time, a messenger runs in. He goes, Job, I don't know how to say this to you, but a wind came and swept through the camp and killed all of your children, all of your wealth, all of your family. They're all gone. Anybody ever feel like life saves up all the trouble for one day? Come on, raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. It's like you got financial troubles over here. Like, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to hit her on Tuesday. We're going to Tuesday financial trouble. But then you got that rel- that that uh, that health thing. It goes, oh no, whoa, 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 we're coming in on Wednesday. Could you wait till Wednesday? So if we can do financial trouble and health on Wednesday, then that's going to be a lot better for all of us, right? And then you got the one guy over here who's like, yeah, and the crazy relative is going to call Wednesday night, all right? So we're going to get it all at the same time. How many ever feel like life just saves it all up for one more? This is what Job felt like. I mean, it's like tornadoes, wildfires, and terrorism all in one day. Done. And this guy who had it all now has nothing. But look at Job's response. At this... Job got up, tore his robe, shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And in all of this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Now you may understand why God loved this guy so much, why he was so proud of him. So then Satan, the Bible tells us, comes back into God's presence a little later. Again, God says to him, have you considered my servant Job? Okay, enough, God. All right, he's taking it all. And he goes, yo, I thought I've considered him. Did you notice that even though you wiped him out, he did not curse me? Satan, did you notice that? And Satan says, well, of course he didn't curse you because you didn't let me touch his body. I mean, I took his wealth, I took his family, but you haven't let me touch him. And God says, okay, I'm going to let you touch him. I'm going to take the hedge. I'm going to let you touch him, but don't take his life. Think about this. The all-powerful God placing his faith in a person. God saying, I trust that guy right there. Could it be that what has happened to you or what will happen to you is actually showing the amount of trust that God has in you? Maybe it's not that God's mad at you. It could be that God's proud of you. It could be that God wants to show you off and show his enemy what you're really all about. 
I can tell you this, if you're a child of God, how many would consider yourself a child of God? Let me tell you this, if you are a child of God, everything that happens to you is father-filtered. I'm going to say it again. If you are a child of God, everything that happens to you is father-filtered. Now, look, I'm not talking about the dumb stuff you do that you blame on God, okay? Or the dumb stuff you do that you blame on the devil. Now, if, you, if you're doing dumb stuff, all right, that's only, but here's what I found even about that. Even when I do dumb stuff, God has a way of taking that and, re, and, use, and bringing redemption and restoration. Can I hear an amen today? But I'm talking to those of you that are doing the best you know to do. You're trying your best to be a good person. You're, you're trying to, you're, you're giving and, and you're serving and you're loving and you're forgiving. You're reading your Bible and you're pray, You're trying everything you know to do. And if you still have junk happening in your life, you've got to remember this. It's father filtered. If it is happening to you, it means God knows you can handle it. Now look at your second neighbor and say, you needed to hear that one right there. Come on, some of you didn't look at your neighbor. Tell them, say, you need to hear that. And so Satan attacks Job's body. And the Bible says, this is going to be gross, but the Bible says that boils came all over his body from head to toe, the bottoms of his feet to the top of his head. A boil. I don't know if you've ever had a boil before. It is one of the most painful things you can have. And they were all over his entire body. But the thing that this shows us is a boil is there because of a virus or an infection, right? So there's no telling if those kind of boils are all over his body. There's no telling what was going on inside of his body. And the scripture says that Job would break pottery and he would just scrape his skin. Just scrape. That's how he spent his time. Can you imagine the agony that he was going through? His, his wealth is gone. His family's gone. And now his health is gone. And then... It does not stop there. How many would just say enough already, okay? Like we get a hang now, like, God, why? <laughs> Somebody doesn't like your Instagram. You forsaken me. It doesn't stop there though. Not only has he lost everything, not only is his health completely deteriorated. You ready for this? On top of that, God steps into the background. For 38 chapters, everybody say 38. For 38 chapters in the book of Job, God never says a word. Not a word is spoken by God to Job. Doesn't it seem like that would be the time you would want God to show up? Don't you think that would be the time that you would think God would show up? Look, I know you're going through all this. I'm so sorry. I hate it for you, but there's a purpose in it. But I just want you to know I'm still here, okay? We're good. Everything's good. But God doesn't do that. He steps in the background behind the curtain. And that's why Job screams out in verse 3, if I only knew where to find him, if I only knew where to go to his dwelling." I would go there. But I go to the east. He's not there. I go to the west. I don't find him. He's at work in the north. I don't see him. He, tur- I turn to the, he turns to the south. I catch no glimpse. So what Job is saying, I have looked everywhere. 
I go here and he's gone. I hear about him moving over here in this conference or at this church or, or I'm, I'm going to go there and I get there and he's already packed up the RV and he's gone on to the next place. I hear about the moving over here and I go look behind that tree and he's not there. So not only has Job lost his family, his wealth and his health, now God has gone into hiding. It's as if God is playing hard to get. You ever had one of those moments? Come on, let's not get all religious. Don't look at me that way. Come on, have you ever had one of those moments that you feel like at the time that you need God the most, you hear him the least? I've had those moments. As I sat with my brother who had leukemia and got a perfect match for a donor, went through all everything he needed to go through to go to Maryland and perfect match, bone marrow match, perfect. I mean, it's like one in millions and only to get there and the donor backs out and says, I'm not going to do it. And I watched the leukemia take over my brother's body and I watched it turn into brain cancer and I'll never forget the day when I sat with him in the chemo, he was receiving chemo and his head was hurting so bad he was screaming at the top of his lungs. And I'm screaming at the nurse, give him something. And they're like, we've given him everything we can. Nothing's touching this. And I remember I walking out to the other room and I said, and I've traveled the world telling people about faith and healing and hope and help. And this one time when I need you, he needs you. Not only is he dying, he's in agony. Where are you, God? As he watched Kristen's father, Melissa's father, an upright, blameless man, if I've ever seen him, deteriorate before our eyes. And we buried those that are closest to us. And I'm looking at those of you out here today that have walked through such tragedy. You've, you've had people walk out on you. You've had people stab you in the back and desert you. And you've had people lie to you and turn around and do the... The opposite thing, even in the name of God, in the name of church. And, and not only did they leave you, but then you felt like, well, where's God? Those of you that Mother's Day is supposed to be joyous, but it's not because you've lost a mom. Those of you here today that long to be a mom. Those of you moms that have lost a child. And in those moments, sometimes it feels like when God should be the closest, he's the furthest away. And we feel like Job. Where are you? If I knew where you were, I'd show up. I wouldn't just show up. I'd camp out. I wouldn't just camp out. I'd build a house there. But when I show up, you're gone. But let's not just read Job 23, 8 and 9. Let's read Job 23 and 10. And it says this. But he knows the way that I take. He knows the way that I take. And when he's tested me, I will come forth as gold. Let me help you today. Those of you that are walking through a hard-to-get moment, those of you that have walked through, and maybe in a few months when you're walking through one, let me give you a little tip on how to make it through it. It's this right here, to remember this. You may not know where God is, but God knows where you are. He sees you. He's watching you. Every step you take, every move 
you make. And not only is he watching you, and not only does he care for you, but he's moving. He may be behind the curtain. He may be in a shroud of darkness, but he's moving. Because like one writer said, just because God is silent does not mean God is still. Amen? Just because you don't hear him doesn't mean that he's not at work. Matter of fact, as I quoted over the children today, he says the steps of a good person are ordered of the Lord. I may not know where God is, but he knows where I am. Matter of fact, I may not even know where I am. Amen? But I'm thankful to know that he knows where I am. And he will give his angels charge over you to keep you so you don't even dash your foot against a stone. So if you have dashed your foot against a stone and you feel like God has left you, I'm going to tell you why. It's because he thinks you can handle it. Next week, we're going to be talking about the purpose of the process. Why a now what moment? Why would God do all of this? Why would God pull away. Well, here's one little hint at it. Verse 10, but he knows the way I take. And when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. Listen to me. How many of you believe, now I want you to look at me. How many of you believe that God wants what's best for you? Raise your hand. Now I want you to fill that hand up there. And next time you're walking through a hard to get moment, I want you to remember that, okay? Keep it up. I want you to feel awkward. I want you to remember this. Remember that time we raised our hand and we kept up a little too long and I kind of smelled someone's armpits. I didn't know if it was mine or not. Was that? You got it? You remember that? All right, put your hand down. I'm going to say it again. God wants what's best for you, but more importantly, God wants the best you. I'm going to say that again. God wants what's best for you, but more importantly, God wants the best you. This is what Job understood in all of his trial and tribulation. He had an understanding. I may not know where God is or where I am, but God knows where I I am. And when he's tried me, I'm going to come out a better Job than I was when I went into it. And then here's one of my favorite passages of Scripture in the Bible. I say that a lot, don't I? Yeah, you know why? I got a lot of favorite scriptures in the Bible. But here's one of my favorite scriptures. How many chapters did I tell you it took that God did not speak? How many? 38. 38 chapters. One of my favorite passages of scripture. First of all, let me ask you this question. Do you think God enjoyed watching his enemy beat up his favorite boy? Come on, parents. Come on, mamas. There is no way that he enjoyed that. That's why I think Job 38 and 1 is listed like this. Then God answered Job out of a whirlwind. After 38 chapters of not saying a word, all of a sudden, it's just like this. It's like God is sitting on his throne. He's like, and then all of a sudden, it just cannot take it anymore. Boom! And out of that whirlwind, God speaks to Job. That's how much he loves you. How much he cares for you. And you may be walking through the worst time of your life, but I can tell you, God is holding on, holding on, and he's waiting until that moment that you become the you that he wants you to become. And when that season has produced its purpose, God's going to speak. It may not be in a whirlwind. 
It may be in a whisper. It might be in a song. I don't know what it's going to be. But he's going to speak. And here's what I'll tell you. Your life is going to be better than it was before you went into that hard to get moment. You know, the scripture tells us, (coughs) the scripture tells us that Job was restored double what he had before the moment. So everything that he lost, God restored it and then he doubled it. Because God's a good God. He's not a sadist. He does not want to see you suffer. But he also knows there's some things that you and I need to walk through to get us ready to become what he wants us to become. How many received this word this morning? Amen. You receive it? I do. I'll take it. I'm sorry. I apologize. I want you to close your eyes. Let me pray for you. Pardon me while I cough. Thank you, Lord. There's nobody looking around. I want to see the hands of those of you that are walking through a moment like I described today. Right now, you're in the middle of one of these moments, a hard-to-get moment. Come on, hand up high. The, 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 the heavens seem like brass. You're not hearing anything. Okay, put your hand up. You feel alone. You feel lost. Well, I want you to remember this. God cares for you. And if he attended the funeral of a sparrow this morning, I can tell you right now, he's not going to let one of his precious children that he shed his blood for walk alone. Thank you, Jesus. I pray for the peace of God right now in every single person that's walking through a moment of quiet, deserted, and desolate. I pray for the peace of God. I pray for the hope of God. I pray for the joy of God. Come on, I don't always know God's will for your life, but I know this. It is never his will for you not to have joy and for you not to have peace and for you not to have hope. So I pray that right now in the mighty name of Jesus, let the gift of faith begin to rise up in this room right now. That those people, God, that are in this place that are ready to call it quits, they're ready to curse God and die, ready to walk away from it all, I pray, God, they would be reminded that you're there. Even if they don't hear you, you still see them. And I thank you for that, Jesus. I thank you for that. I'm praying that he reveals himself to you this week. Like I said, he may not come out of the whirlwind. He may just sit down beside you, pat you on the shoulder, and say, you did good. Now I'm here. How about those of you today that want a closer walk with Jesus? Either you've never asked Jesus into your life or... you're a believer but it's not where it needs to be it's not close like it needs to be you need to rededicate your life to Jesus Christ we give people an opportunity to do that nearly every Sunday here and if that's you this morning if you want to make what we call a fresh start with Jesus either for the first time or for the first time in a while I want you right where you are just to raise your hand up high so that's me I want a fresh start with Jesus right here right here on the front I see you guys come on really high come on I see hands peeking up but really high right back there right here thank you Jesus that's why we do what we do All right, put your hand down now I want everybody in the room to open your eyes and let's stand today
I'm so sorry. Guess I could have had Kristen preach on Mother's Day, couldn't I? How many of y'all would like that one day? First lady bringing a word. Next Sunday, all right, no. Let's pray together. I hope you have more hope than you had when you walked in today. I hope you, 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 have, you know there's some help out there that God has not forsaken you. He has not deserted you. I hope you feel that way today. He may be quiet, but that does not impact his love for you. Come on, everyone in the room, raise your right hand just as high as you can. And let's repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus. Come on, everybody. Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love. Thank you that you care for me. I pray that you today will come close. Forgive me of my sins. Cover me with your blood. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want to live an overcoming, abundant, and everlasting life with you in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody say amen. Come on, let's celebrate today.